Hey, we're back with another episode of the Worship Leader Toolbox. We're looking forward to spending this time with you and know that it will be helpful as we continue our mission to provide practical insight and encouragement for worship leaders in local churches. Today is about teaching your church to worship. Welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast, where our mission is to equip local church worship leaders and teams in practical components of local church leadership. We'd be honored to have you share, rate, or subscribe. And if you have questions, we'd love to connect at worshipleadertoolbox.com. We're thrilled to have you listening to our podcast, and our prayer is that it's helpful to you and your ministry team. Let's head now to today's episode. Well, we know you'll enjoy this episode today, but before we get started, let's visit a moment, Tim. I know we as a ministry are in the middle of a conference season. Yeah, conference season is upon us. That is the spring, in some ways, harvest ministry, which is kind of the the uh, umbrella for Worship Leader Toolbox, is always in conference season because we do them in the spring and the fall and a couple around the summertime as well. But um, in addition to serving in worship ministry at my home church, I also direct harvest ministry. And uh, we lead conferences and events for next generation and for ministry leaders who are adults. And um, I know, Dave, you've been a part of several of those over the years, starting way back at uh, Bonterre with the Nazarene camp and a few of the girls' conferences. And Yeah, that was the weekend of... that uh, you called me on your way down to somewhere in southern Missouri and said, <laughs> hey, can you play bass for me at the last moment? And I just happened to be available and it worked Home, out well. Yeah. <laughs> you pulled a the, granny. There are a lot of stories like that across the board. Sometimes it's hard to pull it all together sometimes, but, or somebody must cancel. I don't know what happened, but I'm glad you were there. But, um, so if, if you're a listener in the ministry area, if I could do a commercial here, I guess, um, Illinois, Missouri, Indiana, we'd love to have you, uh, consider coming to be part of one of these events. So youth conferences, children's conferences, we have stuff for the next five weekends right now. And, um, and this is in February, Time frame, and of course, if you miss those, then you can just um, you know we have them every spring, and it'd be great to have you be a part of that. And you can find out more at harvestconferences.org. And our, our worship team loves to just lead those and be a part of them, and to serve in other people's conferences and events as well. How many local church worship teams would you say have this kind of opportunity to lead in these settings? Yeah, that's a good question. I know that. Um, I serve in our local church worship ministry and I lead that most often if we lead in a special setting, it's either at our church, like, you know, the denomination has hosted an event at our local church. And so we're the worship team or every once in a while, I, you know, I see a lot of worship teams that will go out and do an outdoor event in their community or for their student ministry or some, you know, community event. And that, I think that happens pretty um, often. But Harvest is unique because, so this Harvest Ministry band is comprised of like young adults and college agers who either play music or do tech and are ministry-minded Christ followers. And they pretty much serve for a season, for like the whole summer or for a conference season. And um, and when we do like summer camps, it's like six weeks, day in and day out. So there's not many worship teams that are, you know, volunteer local church teams that have that kind of availability. And so that's what sets Harvest apart. We um, are available to go and lead and minister in the next generation. And I guess that would lead me to impromptu commercial number two. If you're, if you're a worship leader and you have a young adult in your congregation or your church or your worship ministry who fits that bill, I'd love for you to connect me to them. It'd be awesome if they could serve with us this summer. We uh, Coming up, 
this summer is like our 27th or 8th summer of, of traveling to camps. And we have need for drummers and bassists, keyboard players, or tech people, and pretty much travel from mid-June to the end of July. And that's pretty much the ministry we've done for two and a half decades now. Well, I'm thinking of uh, our own worship team and the young man that plays drums for us. I would love to send him to uh, Harvest. And then again, I wouldn't because then we'd be without a drummer for the summer. Yeah, that that is definitely (laughs) true. Lately, I have noticed that um, every young adult who serves, who has a skill in music and a heart for God, gets sucked in pretty quickly to a local church. Mm -hmm. And 20 years ago when we started this whole thing, it wasn't quite that way, at least in my circles. And so I've kind of lately likened it to like a, a medical doctor or a dentist or something. They have a home base, but for two or three weeks, they may take a mission trip mm-hmm. to provide medical services in another nation that is needing that. And then they come back to their home base. So over the last few years, I've noticed a trend of people who sort of almost take off from their church to participate in harvest and come back. And the other fact is, is that most churches these days have some sort of worship team. So when Harvest first began in the mid-90s, we were booked every Sunday doing ministry in churches. And we still do ministry in churches, but not very often on Sunday morning. And so that opens the door for a young adult to be gone in a week, come back on Sunday. So, yeah, if you have somebody, love to see if they're interested. That's great. And I know from uh, experience through my sister who was on the team in the old days and for joining you on occasions for some of these events, how powerful they are. Yeah, it it really is amazing to... uh, yeah, your sister, Rachel. She was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the time she took all our watches away because everybody was getting too worried about schedules. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually the opposite problem. People aren't yeah. showing up on time and whatnot. Well, I think that was a problem. People weren't showing up on time, so she wanted to tell everybody. Anyway, I hope she's not listening to this podcast, but she was a, a pillar for the early harvest days, so it was yeah. great. Fantastic. Yeah, it really... Uh, has been awesome. And I guess I should say that uh, now that I'm on this tangent, if um, you do know somebody, a listener out there, then basically you can send them to me or you can send them to the website, harvestministryteams.com. And there's a tab there about auditioning to join. And um, and just, again, the explanation that Worship Leader Toolbox came out of Harvest Ministry because it was uh, on my blog. I was writing about worship and one time came across one of the young adults in our ministry who was like, wow, Worship Leader Toolbox, I'd, I'd created a graphic, but I'd never done anything with it. He said, we should really turn this into something. And and as a result of that, it kind of spun off into its whole own thing. And it's been awesome to be a part of it. Nice. I like the uh, imagery that it's a toolbox, which makes it mobile, as opposed to a workshop, which stays in one place. Oh, wow. Now that is good. <laughs> That's good. That's good thinking. Yeah. Thank you. So it's not a workshop. It's a toolbox. So we take it wherever people are. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Join me for more advertising. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Advertising jingles. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's jump in. I know that everyone comes to worship with their own level of comfort, experience, and judgment. A guest in worship will often look around the room of a new church, take it all in, and ultimately decide, are these people like me? And do these people like me? It speaks to the importance of a friendly congregation, friendly to guests, that is and the hospitality or guest services team who lead the way in making sure no one falls through the cracks. But it also speaks to the witness of the congregation. When the congregation has a heart for God, the power of the Spirit works through each member to help witness to others in that same worship space. 
It's a powerful truth, Matthew 18, 20, where there are two or three gathered together as my followers, I am among them. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And so, um, the idea that worship is important because it is a ministry to other people around us and it's a witness. And, um, so part of our, part of this whole, you know, formula or ingredient to this is that worship leaders need to teach their congregations how to worship so that their witness is alive and attractive and all those things. And so adding some training into your worship flow will open the doors for your congregation to respond in new ways. And in time, these little bits of training done consistently will become part of your church, including the next generation who was, you know, raised up in the church and will very soon be the adults in worship. And of course, as we set this podcast up, these next few um, points that we want to share, people will respond to the Lord any way that he leads. It doesn't always translate to outward energy or major action or huge fanfare. Worship is always about the heart. We want to remember that for sure. But scripture does teach that as our hearts overflow, we can't help but respond with singing and dancing and praising and action. And so the things we're going to talk about here really recently came from just one quick verse in Psalm 66. And the concept struck me again that we need to do more than just model, though that's a huge percentage of how this is done. We need to speak it out and teach our congregation how to worship. And so I can just read this verse that uh, kind of struck me. Psalm 66, one through three, shout for joy to God, all the earth, sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious, say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Okay. Are you ready? Here's some of what we can teach straight from Psalm 66. Though the first two things are that um, it's direct from God's holy book. So when we are trying to teach people to worship, we don't have to you know, think up and dream up a big curriculum or a bunch of stuff to say, we can pretty much take it right from scripture. And it's common knowledge that many of the Psalms were songs. It's part of the poetry section of the Bible. They include desperate prayers, poetry, amazing declarations and praises. But the amazing thing about the Psalms and other scriptures throughout the Bible is that it doesn't leave out the lows in life, that somehow we are able to um, have those low moments in our life. But, uh, sort of through God's spirit and supernaturally, it turns it around in such a way that it points to God, his glory and his grace. So it's a bit of what worship is like. A whole bunch of people show up to this church service. They're coming in. They're all coming from different backgrounds and situations in life, but they're also coming with various recent burdens and things on their heart. And some of them are coming in just barely making it or wondering if they're going to be welcome. It's just a, it's a huge mixed bag of people sitting in pews in front of you on Sundays. So the Psalms really do sum up the gathered church. And, um, and when you're teaching from scripture, you could teach people how to worship and you don't have to make it up yourself. You pretty much can trust God's word for that. And so that one direct from God's holy book is, is just, uh, gives me hope because it makes it seem better and easier. And then the second one here is that, um, this Psalm kicks off with the, the heading for the director of music. And so I just found that kind of inspiring because um basically it's saying the director of music can use this psalm <laughs> to to do what to do what needs to happen and um so yeah that's kind of cool the the worship leader should always definitely support and partner with the senior pastor um though, though the worship leader is a really important role we want to make sure that we are humbly and and um 
just humbly living a, a connection with the senior leadership. And so, um, that's a, that's a small part of it, but for sure, if you are a music director, take heart in the fact that this Psalm was written for you to use, take up your mantle as the choir director and a music director in your church and really help them learn how to worship. So that's what kind of sets up these, these five things from this passage. Quick question on, um, as a music director, uh, it, should we emulate, uh, David, the director of music in, um, being very, very open about not the fun, happy things that are happening in our life. Maybe, maybe sharing some things that make us a little more human to our congregation, maybe not in the service, but you know, in, yeah. in community with everybody, letting people know, oh, you know, it's, it's not all, um, roses up on stage all the time. It's sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes I got stuff going on in my life. How much of that do you think would be helpful to a congregation? Oh man, that's a great question. And I think there, uh, there, there is a danger in like modern worship, peppy music songs and instrumentation and production and the push over the years for flow, 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 like no dead space, no quiet space, no time just to sit there and videos going and merging. And I mean, there's all the things that happen in like the modern typical services. I blame planning center (laughs) (laughs) because they have everything mapped out. Like the sermon's supposed to be 43 minutes long. You've got this one, that one. I I haven't used it, but I've seen that function and, uh, Oh, definitely. I'm not using it. (laughs) So for, so for the last three episodes, we praised planning center and now you've learned it. And now, Oh yeah. yeah. Now we blame it. (laughs) The dark side of planning center. Well, there, I mean, there, you know, in the old days, you know, somebody would get done with their part and then somebody else would stand up and go do their part. There was a little bit of like padding in there Mm -hmm. and for sure nobody minded the quiet because there's, you know, you, you got a couple different points there. One is that in community, we definitely want to have some vulnerability in our lives so that people can know us. I mean, knowing and being known is, is part of leadership and, and being with your people. But I have found that when I have mentioned something from the stage, and it doesn't have to be the deepest, darkest secret under the sun, but it is just failure in some way. People really resonate with that. And sometimes I sign things I speak. Sometimes it's things that happen. Like the most common and simplest is when you drop a guitar pick into the guitar hole. <laughs> and then you kind of say, oh, man, I dropped my pick into the hole. Everybody laughs. And it blows my mind how many people will talk about that after the service. Like that is the the thing to connect about is the weakness of the day. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, th- I think that David modeled total abandonment and total sold out to God, no matter, you know, he, he didn't care that people were present. He was like in tune to God's spirit and, and he was a music person, but he was also like, uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I'd have to like sit and think about that more, but mm-hmm. I, I yeah, that's was just, a great question, though. I was reminded, there's an article I was reading the other day that said that um, if all of the psalms were put to actual music, how enjoyable would that actually be? Because so many of the psalms is like, you know, mm-hmm. my bones are aching and my body is this and I have this problem and I'm crying out and, and despair and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it yep. always ends with, but you rescue me, but you hear mm-hmm. me, you know, but but three quarters of that particular chapter might be just going on about some things. Yeah. Well, every, I mean, yeah, two thirds to three-fourths would probably be in minor keys. Minor keys, yeah. <laughs> and then they would end on a major key, yeah, which is the only musical technical term that I know, I think, which is a Picardy third. <laughs> a what <laughs> third? Whole, a Picardy third. When the whole song is in like E minor and the end, you hit the E major. Oh. That's called a Picardy third. Huh. Okay. I have no idea why. Cool. But... I might have to try that. <laughs> well, the first one is shout joyful praises to God. 
So we're just breaking apart this verse here, and the rest of the podcast probably won't be too long, but the whole thing starts with, shout for joy to God, all the earth. And um, this invitation to shout to God, in some settings, shouts of praise are, are pretty common. In fact, I was at a church one time, as a Pentecostal church, where I um, said, let's lift our voices. In my world, a little more less charismatic worship most often, uh, lift our voices meant the instruments would die down and the people would sing louder. In that world, all of a sudden, they lifted their voices with praise God and loud shouts and a mm-hmm. lot of clapping and hooping and hollering and, mm-hmm. and prayers and all this stuff. And so all the instrumentalists around me just kind of felt it and just started playing louder. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it was kind of totally different. But um, I've been in plenty of churches where clapping barely happens. And again, worship is about the heart. But but when most people get excited about something, they cheer to some degree or another. I mean, if you get good news, people usually say, all right, or you who or Yahoo or whatever they want to say. And, um, and you who I, I got thirsty when I said that. So, uh, anyway, saying amen, clapping, letting out some sort of cry the, the, the definition of shout when I looked it up is actually an utter cry or call with a strong emotion. So I don't think it has to be like shouting, like we think of it. It can really just be an uh, uttering a cry or a call with that strong emotion. So one thing you could teach your church is that it's okay to say, thank you, Lord, or praise the Lord in worship services. Mm-hmm. And, and not just from nine to 10 on Sunday morning, it can also be as we worship with our lives each day that mm-hmm. we incorporate those phrases into our lives. And what you could do is you could say something like, Hey, everybody. I mean, as soon as the song is done, say, let's, uh, let's praise the name of the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I mean, and everybody doesn't in unison. It's a, it's a, you know, if your church isn't used to that shouting out a joy to God, you don't, it's a pretty low threshold to, to build that culture because mm-hmm. everybody's together in it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've learned from, uh, Leanne is, is anytime something wonderful happens, she always says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank that you. It's, that it's type of catchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it points, I mean, it points back to the Lord, gives God glory and praise, and it just opens a lot of doors mm-hmm. just for that to be in your natural rhythm of conversation. And it reminds you that you are, you know, living for the Lord. Um, can I say a Baptist joke? Go ahead. Um, I don't mind if we alienate 50% of the listeners. <laughs> How many Baptists does it take to change the light bulb in a sanctuary? How many? None. They're not allowed to raise their hands in church. <laughs> is that okay i can take that out that's hilarious that's good i've uh i've heard a lot of those you know you know how many uh methodists it takes to change a light bulb no what change <laughs> oh my goodness that's awesome hey yep. I, I was reading this morning again from psalm 77 and um i i just thought of this little note too, but it basically says constantly shout that God is great. And this is in the new living translation. So it's a little different than some versions, but it just boggles my mind throughout all of the Psalms. When you start looking for it, it gives direction on how to worship the Lord. And so what you were just saying about Leanne, that really fits into that. It's pretty cool. Well, number two, sing about the glory of his name. We've talked about this on the podcast multiple times, but the whole gist of a worship team is to help the church sing. That's the whole goal of a worship band. And it's a great meter because if the church isn't singing, then you have to change what you're doing. And we want the congregation to sing loudly and robustly. 
because we're singing about Jesus and we're singing to glorify his name. So you can help your church do this by, um, one, encouraging singing, making sure that you always have at least some familiar songs in the list and stopping instrumentation now and then so that people can hear their voices, like I mentioned just a minute ago. But there's also some other parts to that, like making sure that production is such that it's supporting singing more than uh, just supporting a, you know, the performance of the worship team. But, you know, really, this might be the easiest one to teach from the psalm, because Psalm 66 says that we need to sing the glory of his name. And so that's part of this. And so if you're thinking about trying to teach your congregation, this is one place you could definitely start, because this is like the understood part right off the bat. Yeah, you said something about uh, made me think of uh, pausing, um, and I was thinking, you know, when when a pastor is um, giving his sermon and he'll pause for a few seconds to let the congregation kind of think about what he said, or maybe let the Holy Spirit move um, in worship. I think that's really important. Uh, uh, Ten minutes ago, you mentioned how we just kind of snap it along and we just go, 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 and we don't have any breaks or anything. And uh-huh. uh, I just want to say that's something I really appreciate is when a worship director will purposely take a minute, take a second, and just let the musicians play a little bit, um, whatever the case may be, to just yeah. relax a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And um, and yeah, there's so many creative ways you can do that now that you mention it, like even just long song intros or uh, just a pause. Or, or, or often, especially if you don't interject or talk very much in between songs, doing that all of a sudden once will really have an impact. Mm-hmm. If you talk between every song every Sunday, mm-hmm. then not doing it will also have an impact. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's ways to just change it to help help add that element into it. Yeah. Number three, say to God. This is really what caught my attention on Psalm 66. Verse three says, say to God, how awesome are your deeds? So this is a very concrete example of like how we would teach and what we would teach. And as an example, maybe you're singing along. And, and to be honest, I, I'm talking about some things here that I need to sort of tell myself. I haven't done this consistently in, in all ways. But as an example, you're singing along, transitioning from one song to another. And you may invite your church with this one scripture sentence. You could just say, Psalm 66 verse 3 says, Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. And we're going to do that today if the example is going along. And you would say something like, we're going to do that. And I invite you to say to God, how awesome are your deeds? Let me hear you say it. And everybody would just say that. And you could put anything in there. I like that phrase, say to God, I trust you, or say to God, thank you. It really, the possibilities are like endless. But um, it gives each person the opportunity to worship personally. Anyway, so I, that just really struck me. And this, this um, inviting people to say to God something is basically inviting people to pray and worship talk directly to him and it can fit in almost anywhere. It's probably, probably good for a very start of a service or in between songs or any number of things. But verse six, Psalm 66, verse three, that's what really got me thinking about this whole post and podcast. Say to God, this, that teaches your people. I, I want to read, um, this verse in the Hawaiian pigeon. Oh, okay, good. I love that. Have, have I told you about the Hawaiian pigeon version? Yeah, I've, I heard of that a long, long time ago. I've always thought that was so neat. It's uh, it's something I pull out for um, not any kind of deep theological research. Um, it, it reads a little bit funny. And, 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 and if anybody's words, interested, but... in, if anybody's interested in the Hawaiian pigeon 
version. It, it's on Bible Gateway. You can yeah. look it up. I'll, and it, also on U version, and it's not under English. It's under other languages, and it's about yeah. a third of the way down. And like John three sixteen, just reading that one verse is so interesting. Yeah. But anyway, John three yeah. sixteen. Uh, for the boss loved the world yeah. so much that he sent me his boy. I love yeah, it. It's so personal. Uh, so, so what does this one say? Sixty six three. Um, tell God, scary, scary. You know, fear, yeah. whatever. Um, the awesome things you do, because you get super plenty power. Even the people say, uh, even the people that stay against you, gotta tell that you the greatest. No matter they like talk like that. <laughs> uh, it takes a, it takes a minute, yeah. but it, but it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, people that even the people that don't necessarily agree mm-hmm. can't help but see that God has that God has got because so many people are lifting up His name and Amen. so many things are happening. Mm-hmm. Number four, come and see, come and listen. Now, these are two different phrases from Psalm sixty six, but the gospel is about experiencing Christ at work in our lives and. And you can hear about it at some point, but then up to a point, you you have to at some point take action. That's what I'm trying to say. So when Jesus, he even used this phrase, when people were walking with him or talking with him, he often would say, come and see. And he invited people in. So instead of trying to describe everything, Jesus said, just follow me and see what happens. And so I think that's like an invitation for the worship leader to invite people to focus on Jesus. And so the music, the production, the artistry, the flow, and all the components are only vehicles. And I'm not against those components. It maybe sounds like we are in this podcast, but those are good things that help grow the church and and connect and engage people. But those vehicles should never become the goal. Mm-hmm. The goal is always to point people to Jesus and his invitation to respond to his great love. So we're always saying that. Come and see or come and listen or come be a part or stand up and engage with us or sing or whatever those things are. You're, you're teaching people to worship in that way. When you say those things, amen. Uh, that would be another good, uh, podcast title uh, where you're, where you, you go visit these different places and you say, Hey, look at this church is doing over here. Look how God's working in this, uh, ministry over there. Um, mm, that's a thought. Interesting. Yeah. If we had a bunch of time, we'd definitely do that. <laughs> go, sure. Just take a, take a podcast, uh, set up to a worship team practice and mm-hmm. interview some of the Interview them all. Nice. That'd be amazing. Number five, praise our God, everyone. And this is the last one. I, I like this call. It's in verse eight of that Psalm 66. But um, though a decision to follow Christ, as we know, is is individual. I've heard it said that God doesn't have grandchildren. Everybody is his child. But I like the idea of let's praise our God together because the culture is pretty individualistic in general. And then the church comes together and in corporate worship, we're saying we're all bound together as brothers and sisters, as believers, as disciples, as children of God. And we have this privilege of together in a collective voice, singing and praising his holy name. So when the church is taught to praise and worship God together, they become a powerful witness to the rest of the world. And, um, I just think that's, that's an awesome way to do it. I think a lot of worship songs have the word I in it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, some of the old hymns don't say I as much. They say more about uh, more about just the collective church praising God and the mm-hmm. the theology behind God's work. So uh, that's a big part of that. The word our and you can focus a lot on that in your teaching that 
that we are in this together. God is the audience. We're not the show and all those type of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's some of the um, drawbacks of having some of the modern worship where it's like this one individual and their name is in lights and their name is on the YouTube video or whatever. And if the camera is focused on them, this individual person, and, and it does speak to when we're in our quiet space, it's just us and God. But I do like a lot of the choir situations because then that emulates the community of, mm-hmm. of the body of Christ. And I think I think both are important, but I know this. And I, I think it's changing. I mean, I think still the um, uh, bigger churches, Elevation Worship and whoever, Bethel and all them, mm-hmm. um, they they put out a song and then they put the, the worship leader who is leading it. And often there will be a multitude of worship leaders who are leading that. It's not mm-hmm. just one main person at that church. But still for that video or that song, it is one person. Mm-hmm. But the new trend is for the the videos to be recorded and the songs to be sung, like Maverick City does this almost mm-hmm. every single song, where everybody sits in a circle yes. and the worship team is in the middle and it's like everybody is on the record. Yeah. And I experienced that you know a couple weeks back at the Belonging Company that everybody was part of the album, uh, the live recording as they worshiped. And so those two things, it's kind of like coming back around to like everybody's realizing, oh, it can't just be about this one person. Yeah. And a lot of times and, it's in uh, somebody's living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, That's it's great. Gotten, I saw a video just a couple mornings ago. Somebody was singing. It was a big crowd of people. A lot of production sounded really great. But the worship leader guy who was holding the microphone was reading the lyrics off his cell phone. <laughs> this is really, this is really getting, you know, a little more low tech yep. and, and that's kind of nice. I mean, like it just gets refreshing at some point whenever mm-hmm. everybody, well, I th- I think we can, uh, you know, these five things, I think we could probably, uh, realize that people will catch on to that, but our teaching in these things can either be a part of the flow of worship, or it can be a segment that just stands alone. Like we've talked about this breakup of flow. It'd be totally fine just to plan sort of on your own to have a couple songs and then just have people stand there and then just stop and say something along these lines, any one of these from Psalm 66 or anything else that you think of in terms of worship. I don't think you have to try to work this into a real specialized flow. On the other hand, you could, you know, have music playing in the background, a keyboard player or something while you talk about it. But I really do believe that one or two minutes of teaching your congregation to worship here and there consistently over time is going to be better than just like a once a year seminar, you know, with your group trying to say, here's how you worship. So both are probably good to do, but, but, uh, the little bit stacked on a little bit will have extreme staying power. And I'm always reminded of a guy that I ran into at a church in our area that I was a guest worship leader and he wasn't going to be there because of some event he was going to be at with his family. And in his phone call leading up to that Sunday, he said, yeah, when I got here five years ago, they just stood there and looked at me. I think I finally got him moving and clapping and applauding at the end of each song. So we're still working on, on them to respond to God's spirit. And just the way he said it so matter of factly, it was just like, and he's a Hispanic, he's a Hispanic, he's used to Hispanic worship and he's leading a, a you know, white congregation. But, um, just the fact that he said that has always stuck with me. Like, man, that's, that's part of the goal is to help people feel comfortable mm-hmm. giving God praise with their voices and their lives. Amen. Awesome stuff. And here's a question for the listeners today. You like how I pause to let the spirit, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what are some of these things you want to teach your people? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, look at this list. You can go to the blog post at worshipleadertoolbox.com and, you know, may not teach all of them right off the bat, but you pick one. 
Mm-hmm. That's a great question to ask. I, I just got to say, this is uh, kind of an eye-opener for me, this, this episode. Um, I've not seen too many people during the worship service say, hey, here is why we're doing this. Here's why we're doing that. Here's some explanation. Here's some scripture to back it up. Here's how we feel, you know, these things. I've, I've never really seen that before. I, hmm. uh, I hope that a lot of people pick up on this and start yeah. doing exactly this. Well, we're praying for you as you continue to lead your church and lift up the name of Jesus. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Dave. See you, Tim. What? Change? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's awesome. <laughs>